0: morning. Welcome to the Profit Lab Podcast. hope you enjoy the, the awesome music that I play every time and I always like to have some rock music when I start my day. It gives me lots of energy and energy is what we need to keep going through every single day. Um, I am your host, Marie Derosian. I am a CFO, an auditor, a certified public accountant, and a chartered global management accountant. I serve entrepreneurs uh, and business owners through my CPA firm, Marie Tertia CPA, and my management consulting company, The Profit Lab. The Profit Lab podcast serves to extend our mission to empower entrepreneurs by bringing their stories to the masses. We are thrilled to tell your story to inspire, empower, and uplift other entrepreneurs. Check out our website and listen to the podcast at theprofitlab.biz slash podcast. Um, Just a a quick brief, we launched the, the podcast on August 2nd, where I Spoke about my entrepreneurial journey and I shared some valuable insights as to what I learned so far and my takeaways and how you can learn from those. Um, so, we plan to feature entrepreneurs uh, from all walks of life every week. Uh, so, if you want to be on the show, please feel free to send me an email at support at theprofitlab.biz and we'll get you uh, set up on a date. Uh, today is September 13th. It is our seventh episode and we are live on Facebook at The Profit Lab Biz, on LinkedIn, Marie Theresean CPA, CGMA, and on my YouTube channel, Marie Theresean CPA. Uh, make sure to subscribe, follow, like, and share on any of the platforms that you are listening on us. And uh, We want to make sure that the inf- this information gets to every entrepreneur possible. My guest today, I'm so excited about it, my, my guest today is Pat DePiro. Uh, he's a C-level executive with over 25 years of experience in sales, marketing, and product development, working with companies such as Major League Baseball, uh, Nickelodeon, and Bloomberg Biz- Business Week. Um, currently he's the CEO of the um, of Birdie Box, a one-stop luxury gifting service experience. Pat, welcome to the Profit Lab Podcast.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Marie. Thanks for having me
0: yeah i'm so excited to have you here um so Pat, you know we we always start the show with you know we want to get to know the person I'm, i mean you're the ceo you've been an executive for a very long time but before you were all that like, you're just the person and i know you personally and i i think everybody should know you personally <laughs> so tell us about you pat DePiro, you the person the values and all that makes you who you are
1: sure well i, I appreciate it thanks again for having me and um I guess I'll just kind of give you a quick sort of background on how I started. So yes, uh, I grew up in New York, um, not New York City or a nice suburb. I grew up in a, a, a borough called Staten Island, which for those of you who may know Staten Island, it's sort of like a lower middle class, middle class working sort of, um, you know, mindset. So my dad, mm-hmm. a seven day a week laborer, worked with yep. his hands. My mom was stay at home. I had an older sister who is like a Mother Teresa type, and I was kind of the oddball of the family, trying to make (laughs) people laugh, always was very curious, uh, good and bad. I always asked a lot of questions to teachers, adults, parents, and I think that curiosity probably led me to my entrepreneurial path. Um, Coming from a family where – they were not college graduates. It was very important that my sister and I went to college. And that was a big, uh, a big focal point of my dad and my mom. So uh, I really had no choice, Marie. I went to school. I tried to do <laughs> as best I could. I, I don't think I was ever the best student, but I would typically surround myself with people smarter than me, people who could help me that wanted to be generous with their time and to this day, a lot of those friendships I cultivated as a youth, they're either investors in Birdie Box, friends of mine, clients of mine. So that became the journey. Um, yeah. So New Yorker, and then I moved to Chicago for my job at Nickelodeon um, mm-hmm. for six years. Chicago, for those of you out there, is my favorite city, even though I'm a New Yorker. Spent a lot of time there. It was great to see a different part of the country outside mm-hmm. of New York. I traveled a lot throughout the Midwest for work, came back home to New York for Bloomberg. And at that point, Marie, I said, this isn't for me. I I am no longer the right personality, uh, right mindset, you know, growth mindset that's going to respectfully challenge conventional wisdom. And I had a very supportive now ex-wife, but wife at the time that said, go pursue your dream. Luckily she had a good position and she had health insurance and, she was able to allow me to pursue that. so And that's how you and I met, and now Birdie Box, which started uh, in Arizona, actually, in Scottsdale. We went to North Carolina to do our fulfillment. And we've been in Florida, in South Florida, for uh, over five plus years. And that's currently where we reside. And we have offices in Frisco, Texas, and Chicago. So that was five minutes too long, but that's a little bit about me. (laughs)
0: No, no, that's that's perfect. That's perfect. and uh, yes and and you know, um one one of the things that you said like and I'm and I'm ca- catching from what you, you you talked about is the mindset, right? like where we grew up and that's something I'm noticing as well with other entrepreneurs is that so many of us have come from a very you know different mindset where we've been the oddballs, we're the ones that are trying to push out of that what we grew up out of so that's that's very amazing you know that that you've you've come so far along so um so when we met i know you were you had kind of taken over the reins of birdie box and you've really turned things around and you you guys were like in florida now you're in three different places so tell us about that journey of like maneuvering a business to that point i mean that's difficult some entrepreneurs don't even get to the five-year plan so it's like you know, how do you push through after the five years and then now
1: you're at the growth phase? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're still we're still going through it too, Marie, so I don't want to give everybody out there listening visions of grandeur that you kind of put in a couple <laughs> years and it's a constant evolution. It's a process and you have to enjoy the process. You can't Absolutely. be so focused on the destination. Um, and that's what I'm learning as I get older, uh, to enjoy the process, all these moments, podcast at the Profit Lab with you. Sometimes it seems like it's pain point, operations, logistics, marketing. But I learn a lot. And I always hope that I grow from that. Um, So, you know, it was really one one of the pieces of advice that I give entrepreneurs is like, always listen, but be an active listener. Really understand uh, why people are coming, why they have a point of view, why things are done a certain way. Don't project your own Opinion. So I think Birdie Box started out, and this is no no truer statement as a monthly golf subscription business. So we right. basically would curate different uh, packages and then deliver them to your doorstep every month. We would do a personality test uh, in terms of characteristics and lifestyles and favorite, you know, activities and hobbies outside of just golf, which is how we start. That's why it's called Birdie Box, uh, <laughs> and. You know, we evolved from that, and then one of our monthly members said, hey, this would be great for one of my golf tournaments that I'm having at my country club, and I used to charge $50 per month for a monthly subscription. subscription. Mm-hmm. And this event was 144 players at a $100 per per gift, so that's $14,400. So when I looked at how many members would I have to keep and renew <laughs> yes. to get to same for And it's every month you're recreating yourself where in this case you could give the, you know, similar gift or the same gift to 144 people. And after the event, right? you're done, and you're done delivery. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I remember that was a very big aha moment. I said, I think we're in the wrong business, change the branding, change the tagline. I didn't want to change the name. So instead of it having a golf flag and a birdie is a golf term mm-hmm. if you're golf, you do one under par. Well, you score one parts of birdie? I said, let's make it a little birdie. Told me what the customer wants and let's make gifting an experience. So right. we created the box and the bow and the current logo you see. And now from the early beginnings in 2014 to today, we service professional sports teams, uh, co- you know, colleges and universities, mm-hmm. Fortune 500 financial advisors um, and private golf clubs and PGA Tour events. So... From what yeah. started as a very narrow uh, focus in golf has yes. now built the spectrum into corporate gifting, products, packaging, in-house decoration, product development. We have our own brands. I know you've listed yes. a lot of the websites that so we manufacture for consumer brands. And I would have never thought in 2014, any of this would have happened. I right. was just looking to escape my corporate America lifestyle, <laughs> sort of expand horizon. So that's a little bit of how I got here now. And I'm still, you know, we're still grinding, we're still working, you know, we were able to raise some money, Marie, but it's, it's always a process. It's never, there's never an off day, as you know. No,
0: no, in entrepreneurship, it doesn't. Um, I do have to say, like, from what you mentioned just now, is that that aha moment when I think a lot of times, you know, certain entrepreneurs might be stuck in that, this is how I want to do it. This is what I'm seeing. And they may not notice that other opportunity sitting on the side, like something came on their lap. And I think you have to have that open mindset, right? Like, how how do you make yourself be able to capture those things? Like, I I know I've been able to, let's say, switch to the profit lab from being a a typical, you know, CPA trained person to a more of the business coach under the profit lab. You captured that moment and you said, whoa, this is not the right model. This is the model should be. So how do you feel, how do you think entrepreneurs should be listening to be able to see those kind of opportunities?
1: Good. It's a good question. So I think you always want to be true to what is important in terms of your philosophy and your vision. Mm. My vision was always to serve customers, treat my yeah. employees with the utmost respect, and make them partners on the business. Don't have blinders on or <laughs> a deaf ear to any, any person or any, it could come from anyone. Yes. Um, So I think for me, when I, when, you know, that helped me understand that I don't have all the answers. I'm listening to customers. I'm listening to the staff. I'm listening to a small circle, Marie, not everyone, not everyone. Exactly. But a small circle (laughs) of trusted advisors and then experts in certain fields. And as I listened to them and started to like synthesize the information, I'm like, there are a lot of things I should be doing very differently. And I'm not afraid to fail. Because right. you know, some people want to be perfect, right? And they 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 work so hard on and, and you know shaping it and and they and they they lament over it for days and weeks. <laughs> and months, where I'm like, let's put it out there. The market's going to tell us if we're right and wrong, and we're going to learn some very valuable lessons along the way. And I'm okay with criticism and feedback. And mm-hmm. I, I come from a loud Italian family, and no <laughs> shortage of voicing their opinion. So <laughs> girl, I was dating to how I played sports that day to how I performed on an exam. There was no shortage of opinions. So you, you you develop a tough skin. And to this day, I love authenticity. I love being around people that are just genuine, that also walk the walk, not just talk the talk. So I crave it like air. So that's what I think helped me sort of continue on the journey and overcome a lot of obstacles a lot of setbacks, a lot of fear that I was able to still, despite the fear, continue to move forward and persevere.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then you, yeah. And you mentioned the, uh, having the right people around you and listening to the right people. And I think, you know, when we were working together, that's exactly what I learned from, from you and the vision that that's another key thing you said, it's about having the vision. One of the things that I learned from you being just a consultant, just helping you out on the accounting side is that, (laughs) You were able to explain the vision that you were seeing for Birdie Box and you know you knew where you wanted to get to and you were able to gather the right people around you and then have them think through it with you. So I, I that was one thing that I, I was just so amazed because that was something that I learned from you. So I have to say thank you for that. <laughs>
1: that's very really, smart. <that's> really <laughs>
0: No, it's true because now that's what I do because when I, when I'm looking, you know, to add staff, that's, that's one of the big spiel that I do. I, I'm talking about my vision, where I'm going. And if they don't see themselves in it, then they're not the right people. I don't want to spend, waste their time or my time.
1: I see that 10X uh, sign behind you. Imagine someone didn't believe in Grant, right? And you're Mm -hmm. like, well, this is someone that's a hero of mine, someone I believe in. I've taken courses, I've studied, I've, and it's one thing to disagree with Marie Tarosi. It's another thing if philosophically you don't feel like you share that vision. And it's also going to be a mindset that there are seasons to everything, right? So what yes. I mean by that is people have seasons, family members, friends, sometimes. And you know, as you grow and evolve, Marie, from where you were in Lebanon, right, <laughs> right, to to you know coming to the states, to getting married, to being an accountant, to your career path as an entrepreneur. You want to be around people, maybe in, the, in certain seasons or stages, they were right for Marie, but as right. you evolve right. with me, the season changes. Absolutely. And I used to be so steadfast on being, I have to be loyal. And it's one thing to be loyal, but be blind. And now I, my loyalty <laughs> is earned, and it's right. given, and it's got to be reciprocal. And certain times you have to have what we call kind candor. Like yes. even you and I came to that place where your dream was not 30 bucks, it was to be an entrepreneur and do what you're doing with profit lab so i can't be upset that your dream isn't my dream and that season was beautiful and now two or three (laughs) years later we're we're talking today so i look at everything as a purpose and can you learn and are you listening and you're being empathetic and then you apply those learnings that's my entire way of how i think about life (laughs) not just business yeah yeah absolutely yeah i i
0: love it thank you thank you uh, pat and um, the other thing you mentioned, and I wanted to pinpoint that for other entrepreneurs as well, and I saw it from you the first time, and then I, I, I hear it from Grant all the time now, right? Like, the, you just said it now. You said, when you have an idea, you put it out to the market and let the market decide. And I know from being an accountant, you know, my thing was like, well, it has to be this way or that we're just very specific because we are set in so much rules, so one of the things that i saw from you is that yes this is an idea just put it out there and you just mentioned it and you know i want to make sure that entrepreneurs that are listening and watching that they take away this this key point because if you have an idea just test it out in the market just put it out there and if it's not going to work it's not gonna-
1: i i watched the um uh, an interview with jeff bezos okay uh-huh. and he's like everyone will tout about amazon web services and all the great things he's done but they all not talk about all the failures, right? right? And he said, you know, at the, at the end of the day, um, if you're not trying to serve and obsess over the customer and create mm-hmm. all of these different value pieces, yes. it's going to be really hard to be successful. And Elon Musk, as someone else I watched, said, well, if you're entering a new market, you can't be mildly better or just... It has to be such a wide margin in terms of your service or your product or whatever it is you're providing that to get people to change and shift their mindset is very, very difficult. Yes. So, you know, he said, I, basis said, I don't bet the, the, the company bets, but I take mitigated, calculated investments and I right. recognize the majority of them will fail. Mm-hmm. Look at the people that are really successful that I admire they all have a similar mindset. They yes. all, they're not completely risk averse. They don't throw caution into the wind, but they make calculated bets like you mentioned for grant. The market will tell us if we're right, we're wrong, we're mm-hmm. wrong, and we'll learn some valuable lessons. To listen, to overcome the fear, all the feedback, all the negativity, that you know it's going to be a bumpy road. You brace yourself and you're yes. going to persevere right through the storm. And that's yep. one thing if you said, what am I proud of? obviously creating a great team and, and, and my family Uh, on, on my own personal journey, it's regardless of the obstacle, I almost died of a, of a had a heart surgery, right? I should have went bankrupt Marie 15 different ways till Sunday. We had logistics problems, sales problems, COVID. You could, you know, and that's one thing, and I hate to use the word cockroach and mean the same sentence, but almost <laughs> like a cockroach in a nuclear war, the cockroach <laughs> and Pat DiPiro will likely survive. That's one thing I'm very proud of is that you're I'm going to get hit a million ways and you're going to try to kill me, but I'm very, very difficult to, to kill because <laughs> I, I won't let up and I never right. say no and I won't quit. I will never, it's not in my vocabulary to quit. And yes. you have to, Again, be smart and open-minded, not blind, Faith, but right. I always have little hints along the way, Marie, this product or this packaging, I saw that there was an opportunity or a market there, and yes. I wanted to, through curiosity, explore that. And once right. you start to get unbiased you know, feedback and data, the support, the thesis, you go, okay, maybe I'm onto something here, but most people run the marathon that's 26-whatever-plus miles, they quit mile five, ten, right. eighteen, or twenty-two. They might be only a few miles away from the finish, but because they are dehydrated and cramping, and they're right. There's right. a million reasons why you stop to finish the yes. marathon, and then you got people who run Ironman, right? Like, so there's <laughs> always your threshold of pain. Yes, right? physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, that is to me what separates the good from the great entrepreneurs. Yes, we yes. all. We romanticize the overnight sensations, but you know a lot went into that as well. You know, right. Facebook and Netflix; these are brilliant people that have started these companies. And yes, those things happen where your Instagram and a few years later you sell. But ninety nine percent of us, Marie, are there the they're the profit lab and their birdie box. And right, you got to be okay in that moment and be not be, be comfortable where you're at. Know your truth, surround yourself, and persevere
0: yeah yeah those are very great words yeah and, and, and great words for those who are listening to kind of take to heart and and take note guys take note this is this is great information great information um I wanted to kind of uh, talk about and I, I know you love you know you really pay attention to packaging and product development and all that so how do you if someone is trying to come up with a great product and what are your recommendations or like how did you come up with your New products, let's say the Hudson Cole and Charlotte Lou and all that. And then and then of course the whole packaging, because I know the birdie box packaging is a masterpiece. Oh, let's just put it that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you know, I just started ask I started seeing where what people were interested in, what they mm-hmm. were purchasing. So if it was travel gear, you look at To Me, Briggs and Riley, Away Luggage, Herschel Supply Company. I'm like, well, what what is so compelling? I get the brand, but is it the construction of the material? Is it right. how it makes them feel? Is it trendy? Is it like? Is it versatile? Like, and why? And then I'd read reviews and I'd ask c- customers because if I look at a Yeti tumbler versus another tumbler, on the surface, it's a double insulated piece of drinkware, <laughs> right? right? And then the Quirksicle and Tempercraft and Hydro Flask and Ember. So I once I understand why they make pay- buying decisions. I would always ask like, well, what are you like least about it? Or what would you, if you could make one change, what would um, that be? Wow. Or if okay. you need the negative feedback, I'd go to the five-star reviews. Then the one-star reviews, Marie, and I'd say, what are people unhappy about? Like genuinely not okay. You know, they had maybe had an outlier that it shipped late. Right, or, right, right. But, but true. And they'd say, well, I wish it had a compartment for my drinkware. Or I wish it was waterproof or uh, the, the handle breaks easily and it doesn't allow me if I'm stacking the cooler and it's, I want to have a, you know, a picnic basket or a birthday cake. I can't, I, don't, I there's no straps to hold it. I'd say, well, right. I wouldn't we just add straps. And yes. if it was technology, I look at Apple, Sonos, Bangs and Olsen, JBL, and it's a great brands. Well, where's that middle ground? Where's that attainable luxury? I don't right. want something right. cheap. That's quote unquote, a knockoff but I can't afford, I don't have the budget for Apple or Bose or Master Dynamic. And I'd say, where's the, where's the, where's the sweet spot? Yeah. And then i look at all the different products and say, well, I like this about product A, this about product B. And then i combine them, share it with the staff, share it with the, some part of our audience say, what would you do differently before I mass produce this product? <laughs> Tell me what you think. And you get the best feedback from the right people. I don't know. I'm not an expert in consumer electronics or men's bags and totes and travel gear or, you know, uh, you know, home style and glass and decanter sets and Moscow (laughs) mule. All I could do is ask people who drink Moscow mules or drink scotch or, you know, you'll learn from the, you know, and I always have a both men and women because it's very different mindset. And I think corporate gifts, it's very masculine dominated, which, uh, as a, as a mama's boy who, very close to his mom and his sister. I always wanted to get the female point of view, design, Mm -hmm. style, functionality, weight, because you have to think for both audiences. And that's how I come up with products. And then I look at the sales team and say, is this something that you've been getting inquiries about? Do you think this is a market here? And they would filter it with some of their best clients. And then we get the feedback. So right now we're working on a design patent for a cooler bag. So it's a backpack Mm -hmm. and a cooler bag. And I won't bore you with the details, but... It's been eight months in the making, and then we did prototype one, prototype two, prototype three, and now we're finally getting to that last, you know, final proof, and then we'll mass produce. So it's the product development is a journey, and there's a lot of things that can go wrong, function, battery life, legality. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into this, so I'm learning every day too, Marie. Yeah,
0: no, that that's great. That's really great information, uh, Pat. Because you know it does it does take a lot of production time, and I love the fact that you are asking your own clients like, what is it that you like? So it's a lot of surveying and getting feedback from your clients to make sure that you're getting them what they want. So and then that's how you're redesigning the the products that are not that perfect fit. Now they're the perfect fit.
1: Yeah, Marie. Like I worked at Bloomberg. That's very data centric. So I'd walk in a conference room and I'd say, I need, or I believe X, Y, or Z. And what I learned very quickly, why Bloomberg is a multi-billion dollar company is that they don't make decisions on hunches or intuition, opinion. It's all all rooted in data, concrete, substance data. So anytime I would want anything or any ask, investment, staff, I came with my data. So whenever we go into the market, whether it's the packaging side or the decoration in terms of how we add a person's name or initials or a logo or some imagery. It's rooted in data. Hard feedback yes. that's, you know, unbiased that I can trust the data. And with the data, I can make smarter decisions. So we live and breathe by that. Which is why digital, you know, marketing and social media is so important because you get to in real time gauge what's resonating, what's not resonating. And then you could right. tweak things on the fly, including this podcast. Right. <laughs> you you'll learn every podcast what they like. Time- yeah, every you learn, right? And that's what I love about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, between the first podcast I did with the other one, I have a coffee time with Marie S. and CPA, and this one, I mean, it's like almost a year now. And it's a very different way that I approach the podcast now versus the first time. Obviously, we are always learning. That's for sure. We never you have
1: to learning. enjoy that too. You have to enjoy the education and learning. That's yeah. why I think people love travel, right? You get to experience other cities, other cultures, right? And it's exciting to know is not just your way of thinking or your of way course. of doing. And I learn a lot from all my travels but all across here or overseas and that's another thing you got to just be sensitive to those things the cultural values what they're excited about their priority you know it's we're all very very different and that's why I'm not a big fan of politics because it's very divisive. Yes. I'm not a big fan even e- eco economic status right it's like rich middle class poor it's like I'm not. This isn't a kumbaya moment for me, Marie. But like, <laughs> if you understand and can empathize, right? You can't be prejudiced of someone who comes from wealth, and you can't be angry that you come from poverty or like you and I, lower or middle class. Like, you got to yeah. embrace who you are, understand where they come from, and try to find common ground. Absolutely. And that's what yes. we do. And as you are trying to hire staff, you don't want God. God forbid, there's a there's a hundred Pat Tipiros. The world would explode in a bad way. I want different people from different backgrounds and different experiences. Right. I want, but just be thoughtful, respectful, yes. and empathetic. That's all I ask.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's great. Um, and I know you, you, you have a very specific way of, of the, the way you hire. Um, one of the things I wanted to also uh discuss and I think it would be helpful to entrepreneurs and I know that for me it took me a long time until I started learning from brand how to create like a sales process you guys had a very cool sales process I don't know if you got if you want to kind of mention a little bit about how you came about that or how you implemented that
1: sure that's, that's very awesome.
0: important because most people don't realize how important that is I didn't realize it until I started my entrepreneurial journey
1: yeah I mean what you want to do is spend you know, spend your time with the right customers or prospects. So, what I've learned after years of failure in my business, people want to touch it and feel it. They want to have that that wow moment, that unboxing, that experience. Yes. So it became incredibly important that uh, custom, highly personalized g- sample gifts mm-hmm. prelude the actual meeting. Because once you experience it, Marie, you touched it, you felt it, you saw your initials, your name, a picture of your children, your college alma mater, whatever that was, you got it. We're creating those magic moments. I could put it in a PowerPoint. I could go to a show. But that became very important. And in the needs analysis where we qualify the right type of person for Birdie Box, we have very systemic questions that are layered, like an onion, you're kind of peeling them to understand, is this the right potential prospect or client for birdie box and vice versa. Maybe we don't meet their needs. So we're very deliberate. We're very intentional. So samples are a big part of what we do Uh, to get them in the sales funnel. You start wide. We bring people on site. We fly them in, pay for their airfare, pick them up at the airport, uh, create a custom shopping experience when they walk in the showroom, all very intentional. Yes. Um, narrow uh, niche trade shows, very specific trade shows. But rather than just have a booth and give away a tchotchke, we book appointments, we have time slots, uh, we create shopping moments. We ask. We're ask. we very, very prepared on that end before yes. that person. And if there's a, you know, what we call a tire kicker or someone who's just walking by, there's another area of that booth that they go to. So the <laughs> right. side is the left, the tire kickers to the right. And the way we position the products and the different curated gift sets, we put the ones that we know will likely resonate, brand centric or theme centric first, because that's your eyes. You read left, you know, you read left to right, same way you go in a trade show booth. So watching the behavior of that is is very very important. Um, on the ecom side, where's the abandon rate? Where are they originating? Uh, what terms are resonating best? Looking at your Google Analytics. Understanding the site behavior, the user behavior, and constantly evolving and tweaking your email strategy, your marketing strategy. So, uh, our sales is samples, very personalized, custom samples. Uh, Ecom, obviously, from a lead gen, try to, and we have a a site launch coming out this week uh, that's very product driven. Okay. Uh, And then these very hyper targeted trade shows that we do. And then the last piece of advice but you have to have the right partners. I go by vertical. So if I look at financial services or real estate or golf, I can't be all things. I have to think of it through their eyes. Right. So Then me come up with my own strategy, who are the most trusted influential people in each vertical? So if I'm in the golf area, I look at the PGA of America. The PGA of America is where the golf professional, the head golf professional, they have to go through schooling and get these credentials and then geographically, there's 41 sections of the PGA of America, which is very different than the PGA Tour. So we have 20 plus partnerships with each section. Those wow. people yeah. will lead me to the right customers. They understand that needs analysis. So now it's free labor. They become a sales arm for a birdie box. Right. They them. So by the time it gets to our sales team, Marie, we know that they're a qualified client. Right. So we right. Support that section in whatever their endeavors are. But they have to earn it. I just don't write blind checks. Like this isn't a sponsorship. <laughs> I just write write you know five and six figure checks and write advertising. I they, it has to be a collaborative effort, and the yes, right want to help Marie Tarosi. They don't just go. Marie, I'll help you with this caveat. So when I brought you on, you did a lot of work for me before I gave you a dollar, <laughs> and that that's what impressed me that you were willing to put that time and that energy and use your expertise just to show me how you thought and how you cared <laughs> and it made it easier than I wouldn't take advantage of that as a partner. I would reciprocate that. So I would Absolutely. tell any entrepreneur, find partners that not, it's not always about a dollar for dollar, but they're really vested right. in your mission, in you as a person, in your cause, and they want to help. And yeah. I think that's as important in the sales process as anything
0: absolutely i, I yes uh, of course i totally get that so your 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 top clients for example in a specific sector they're becoming like your ambassadors right they're becoming your biggest fans uh which is something of course grant talks about too so that's kind of like you know that's what you build and that makes it an extended arm absolutely um yep. another question that i wanted to bring up and i think this is important because you know when entrepreneurs as entrepreneurs when we first start out like we're in every area of the business and in, in, in high level, we should be. Um, but what happens is that they try to do it all themselves. So as a now a CEO for so many years, you've already grown the, the company for so much. How do you manage or how, how do you use your time wisely, let's say, in the best way? Right. So and how could you advise other entrepreneurs about that?
1: Yeah, it's hard because you have limited resources and, and and funds to hire great people. We'd all love to hire this all-star staff. Um, I think you got to think about, you know, the, what the business needs today in a year and three years and the people that you bring on board, can they, do you think that they could, they have a propensity and have illustrated ability to grow and evolve and adapt? It doesn't necessarily to be with a company in their life, right? When you told me your stories as a child, Right and moving here with nothing and you know all the turmoil that happened. Right, like these things, you know, maybe most people wouldn't look at them, but I'm like, okay, can pivot, change of environment, change of culture, (laughs) she could start over, like those things. So I would say, when you hire, you want to make sure they don't need to be identical to you, but they can adapt and evolve, and they share your vision, and then also prioritize the needs of the business. So, you know, I just recently have dedicated social media marketers. Because in the beginning, I needed direct sales, operation, warehouse logistics. Right. We right. prioritized in a lifeline and put a roadmap together of what that business needed at that time. And right. you now um, when I hire anyone, Marie, they have very strict KPIs, key performance indicators. Yes. And every week. I don't care about the output. I care about the input. So the mindset has to be when I hire people, I go, here are the, here are the measurable deliverables here are your KPIs, we're gonna have an on, honest, unbiased, kind, candor dialogue. And those are the people you want that could sort of wear many hats, but they also have that area of expertise. So they could see the vision of the company, but they maybe be great in accounting or finance, operations, sales. And right. when you're young, you gotta have to have people that are nimble that could do multiple <laughs> things. And if they don't know something, which we are all blind, and ignorant, and certain factors, they might have a network of people that you don't have to compensate to, so that they can tap into that network, of and course. that's valuable. So you're buying the person's ability to adapt, change, evolve with you. Obviously, work ethic and overcome of adversity, course. but as well as their network of people that they can, you know, tap into, because that is uh, free advice, as, as they'd say.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I'm going to just uh, for a moment, I'm going to read out because I, I did not get to do that just because those who are listening on the podcast, they're not going to see that i put up some of your websites here. So I'm going to read it out loud. So uh, for those of you listening, uh, the websites for Birdie Box are basically birdiebox.com. You can also check bb-tech with a t-e-k.com, hudson-cole.com, CharlotteLou.com, old Dash times T Y M E S dot com. So make sure to check out the websites and get to know a little bit more about some of the products that Birdie Box has and the gifting experience that they deliver.
1: Excellent. That's a perfect example, Marie. I would love all those websites not to have a hyphen, but someone who wants to charge you a lot of money to own that URL. Yeah. Rather (laughs) than saying, well, I got to change the name, today it has a hyphen. A year or two from now, I'm sure it'll just be BB Tech Hudson Cole charlotte.com but you gotta just absolutely you just go with it it. Uh, i i
0: would i i will give you a perfect example for the profit lab that's exactly what happened the profitlab.com was impossible to get it was gonna be very expensive somebody else has purchased it and so i just went with profitlab.biz.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) i'm not stopping my work (laughs) yeah so we gotta go with what we what we have right now so um awesome this was this was great and uh i know you talked a little bit about hiring and then right now and and i know something we've talked about and i know you are one of those uh you know uh, executives that when i was working with you as a consultant you know you very much understood some of the the financial aspects of the business which is which was very shocking to me most of the time they won't know so we had a lot of great conversations on that so how can you please you know maybe Chen, from your experience share and advise how entrepreneurs that are starting their business how 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 they should view the financial information in their
1: business sure so there are two things I learned very quickly your balance sheet right uh-huh. and and your p l right your yes. cash flows so i would just say for any entrepreneur make sure you you understand how to read a balance sheet and how you could put a PL cash flow statement together because that'll give you, that'll be a good indicator of how people value, where you focus your business, where you may need to adjust and address things, and you have right. to have uh, sound systems in place and processes so that you're getting the right information so that you as the CEO or entrepreneur can make educated decisions. So those are the yeah. things I learned from uh, a gentleman early on was I never read a balance sheet or a PL statement, cash <laughs> flow statement before a box, so truth be told. <laughs>
0: Right. Otherwise, like you wouldn't know what's going on in your business at all. Um, So that's great. I I always love working with, um, you know, CEOs that actually know how to read the financials and and just ask questions. And what does this mean? What does that mean? You know, how can we make this better? Um, And uh, and it, it definitely, you know, the CEO may not be the person fixing all of that, but then it's about understanding the numbers and then starting the discussion with the rest of the team to help fix the problems. You know,
1: Marie. Perfect example. I'll give you two because I know we're, we're, we're short on time because I talk too much. Time value of money. <laughs> the time value of money. If you get paid up front, right, and you don't have to deliver the goods for three months, six months, what's that time value of that money? Right. There, there's a value to that. And that's yeah. so payment terms and chasing receivables, right? That's right. right. <laughs> and the other story I'll tell you because that's that changed and shifted the way we operated. I'd rather right. make less margin, but I'd like to get the money up front or at least a deposit. So they're committed to the agreement and I have that right. dollars to invest. And the second thing, when I started analyzing uh, our p and I said, well, why is I, our shipping costs? I thought they should be about, um, you know, three to five percent, give or take, of mm-hmm. our total revenue. And it's more like 10 to 12 percent. Did the... the, the Gas prices or shipping prices or freight costs, they really, and there was some of that, but when I started to uh, unpack that a bit, I noticed there's something called the actual weight and dimensional weight. So if you ship an item, let's say you shipped a small coffee mug or a Uh yo-yo, you shipped it in a box that could hold six yo-yos, you're pretty much paying for six yo-yos or six cups that relates to the freight or some delineation of that. Right, right, right. So if I had known that, I would have obviously found different shipping boxes that could smaller items, or I would want a weekly or monthly report on what the average weight, distributed weight from actual weight is so that I can minimize the delta and thus reduce it. So not only did we reduce our, our shipping cost by 20%, by doing that i then went from fedex to ups and i won't say which way because i know they're both legitimate and big large enterprise companies but i said why am i getting paying for residential charges if i ship it to marie's house versus right. Marie's office We're like well you know to get to marie's house they may be inroads in a neighborhood where businesses are typically on major arteries i'm like eh. then there was something called a fuel surcharge i said <laughs> You don't need fuel <laughs> to run your trucks. You don't bake that into the overall cost. And right. Right, when I started asking questions, they removed the fuel surcharge, the ah. residential, the delta. So I made a huge, not I meaning me, but I as a business, as a business, much, yeah. huge, huge amount of savings by really diving into that PL and going through the major line items, right? Staffing, yeah. TE, uh, operating costs. Uh, materials, maintenance on machines, I would now negotiate different terms for maintenance contracts. You right. really get into the numbers and it is, it's like anything else, like these little things add up and you actually right. have to have a controller or a CFO or a, a senior director of finance that, hey, Pat, like you, you got to be paying back this. <laughs> yeah. And and then you you build systems in place to sort of understand how to, how to, how to correct those or how to address those challenges or issues or cost expenditures. So, and I learned a lot of, I made a lot of mistakes in my nine and a half years doing Birdie box, but I would tell you having a great operator is as important as a salesperson, as a marketer, as a visionary, you need great controls, great systems. You need a great operation. And still to this day, we refine that inventory management, software, CRM, and we're not great, but we have a woman now that, runs it that does a very good job and she needs more investment and more resources. And you can't Absolutely. neglect that because the sexy part is in front of the customer. It's the, right. shiny, <laughs> but the, 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 the ends of the business, you look at a guy like Warren Buffett, who, you know, agonizes over, you know, looking at financials and annual reports. There's a reason, right? Right. Cause he's looking for the, the nuggets within the business, yes. good and bad, undervalued nuggets or Hey, the shelf life. And then you look at, Companies like WeWorks and Uber that have had moments good and bad, you know, that's what I'm, I'm trying to avoid the same pitfalls that smarter, more accomplished people have made. And I, I right. know I'm going to make them. I'm just a little bit more aware. And I don't just bury my head in the sand saying they're going to go away or it's not sexy so I don't spend time. <laughs> I got to spend time on both sides, the front and the back. Right. <laughs>
0: Well, this was amazing. Uh, you have you have shared so much golden nuggets from your experiences and and about Birdie Box. So um, I'm I'm very excited that that you you joined me on on the podcast here. So um, so we always you know kind of wrap up the podcast. And I know you've given so much uh, information, but from your personal challenges, what are three things that you would want entrepreneurs to focus on right now? Like the first three things that come to mind. You can just and they may be a repeat, but it could be like just three things that they should focus on right now from your own challenges.
1: Your time, choose your time with the right people, both staff and and customers. I think that's, you know, um, also you have to understand that there'll be failures, there'll be highs and lows. Enjoy the highs, ride out the lows, persevere, um, and never, don't let your ego or your own opinion dictate your actions. So if you could put your ego at the door and check your ego and emotions and surround yourself with the right people, overcome adversity and pitfalls, kind of stay steady, I think you'll do okay.
0: Awesome. Awesome.